Dear listener, welcome back to Weakness for Bleakness. My name is Kieran Stevenson. I'm here with Darcy Moran. <sighs> and boy, do we have a romper for you today. Here's the intro song. A modest house, a picket fence, a couple kids, some common sense, a job to pay your mortgage or your rent. All these goals are understood, but misery is a public good, so come and feed your sorrows till you're spent. Well, just to come, the captain said, the icebergs only dead ahead, the men will keep the engines fed, I have a deal with God. We're at the end of history, there ain't a hope for you or me, when workers philanthropically believe in the economy, but what a feast for tired eyes, the poison earth, the boiling skies, everyone that wrote spies, remember when the world was wise, we know. Nice intro, Kieran. Thank you. Nice uh, intro song. Yeah, I think so. It's all right. Uh, I'm still sick. I was sick last week. I'm still <laughs> sick this week. Don't feel sick, just full of... If you can tell that I'm insanely, like, stuffed up, that's that's what's going on. And if I cough intensely for 45 seconds at a stretch, I'll try to cut that as much as possible. I am physically very well. I'm just incredibly tired. Yes, yes. Darcy put in a stellar performance at uh, a celebration over the weekend. Uh, and then a stellar performance at work the next day. Yes, yeah. Within, what, like five hours of leaving. Yeah. And then I got home and I thought, ah, oh, now I've got my second wind. Now I'm back for... So like, if you think about bed all day, yeah. and you finally get back to bed and you're like, oh. You're filled with that But now the, now it's there and it's available. I've got energy again. Yeah. I'm going to watch all of Marcella, seasons one and two, <laughs> seasons one, and yeah. have very strange dreams. Yeah. Yeah. It's I quite- love that bit where you get that strange... It's like a hidden stat in a video game, a strange spectral stamina bar. Yeah. <laughs> comes in and you're like, yes, I'm living in the dream world. Half hallucinating reality. It's great. Makes you feel like a magic user. Anyway, we should, we should bang on with the fucking show. What's your first headline, Doug? My first headline uh, was picked up this morning in a, in a bit of a sleepy stupor. Mm. Scott Morrison has just apologised to the victims of uh, child abuse that has been how eminently decent of him it was very decent of him except that he had no idea what he was saying he was just reading <laughs> off notes badly yeah. but you can tell as a man who spends a lot of time in church for two reasons firstly he delivered the apology like a bored vicar doing a homily that he's read out way too many fucking times already yeah so it had that intonation yeah where the flock are expected to reflect Mm. at the end of every clause and sentence. It's great because people, like morons, mistake the bored (laughs) cant of that complete (laughs) through-the-motions delivery as, like, a plum. Yeah, (laughs) it was awful. And Mm. there was was one bit where he was filled with actual righteous fury and indignation, and that was because of the traitors who have dragged the churches through (laughs) this trying time. It was literally, he was upset on behalf of the churches that they'd suffered reputational damage for what they'd done. The poor church, man. Poor (laughs) church. They when are. is it going to get a break from being held accountable? Yeah. Apart from most of the previous millennium. Yeah, well, they've got the Ruddock Report. They should be able to... Uh, they've got the Ruddock Report. Draft up some new protected They should be able to still sack teachers. I think they're going to be okay. Yeah, I think they'll be Their fine. chaplaincy programs in no danger. Yeah. 
one of the saddest things about the like sexual abuse thing is like uh you see some of the commentators that they get to uh to speak and like there's this one guy that they they uh bring out a lot of victim of sexual abuse when he was a kid and it's like he's so clearly like fucked up and just like permanently damaged the mm. poor motherfucker that like when they talk about going through legislative uh uh, punishments or like getting apologies or whatever. It just obviously because he's too far gone. And this is like, let's make sure it doesn't happen again. He comes up against the limits of like what society is expected to do. So you sit there in your living room being like, well, it's good that people should be apologizing. It's good that the church should be forced to do better, that it should be held accountable. And you see this person that's actually suffered and it's like, oh, but it does. It doesn't fix it. It doesn't fix anything. And SBS's live feed had a commentary bit where mm. just anyone with a Facebook account could, you know, type their comments on it. Yeah. Mostly pretty respectful. There were there was not a huge amount of trolling behavior, but there were lots of people who claimed that they had been abused by the clergy and mm. or or by the nuns or what have you. Yeah. And none of them seemed I'd say maybe 10% of the responses were like thank you prime minister, it's good to finally be vindicated. Most of them were calling bullshit on it. Yeah. Pretty bluntly. Yeah, so not not dissimilar to the uh, apology to the indigenous people, where it was like that oh, was seen as a genuinely a, sorry th- a generally a good move. Yeah, and so until many- Brend- Doctor Brendan Nelson got up and did the Liberal Party's bit and just completely trashed the entire fucking occasion. Yeah, with his. Oh, well, you know, some of the... Uh, I don't know why he's turned into Tony Blair. But <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Some, some, of the, uh, some, some of the government intervention was great. I, I personally have heard an anecdote about an Indigenous woman <laughs> yeah. who was glad that there's penicillin now. Mm. Like, Shut the fuck up! <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, so not the place! <laughs> yeah. Why, of all places, do you choose to do it here, Brendan Nelson? Do we have to go through this every single time anyone's being held accountable for anything? Is you also have to make a huge stack of all the positive things they've done as well? Yeah. The most simple judicial trials would take fucking forever. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They're putting- awful as we work out some bizarre cosmic karma balance. Interior Nuremberg trials. (laughs) Day. Uh, I would like the court to know that although it has decided to execute this man, uh, some people think he was a good father and husband amidst all the gassings. He would occasionally be up early enough to catch the postman, mm. and apparently uh, they would have a heartfelt and uh, and a deeply personal conversation about uh, Jack, the irritating bastard at the local pub. <laughs> yeah. Mm. What a what a piece of work he was, and had gagging for a shag his wife must have been. That's just a simple example of a human uh, encounter, a bit of the real man beneath the uh, Hugo Boss suit. Yeah, I think it's pretty telling that like I reached for a name. Uh, for, it's telling of my ignorance and also something broader about the world. I reached for a name to put into that Nuremberg trial character spot. I was like, oh wait, all of the most notorious and high profile Nazis <laughs> escaped justice. <laughs> One way or another. Yeah. Yeah. The closest, really, was they the ones who committed suicide, I guess. Yeah. Or there was a good bit about um, some fascists off Plenty Road. Mm. I was on Radio National. This guy, who was a young German expatriate after the war, ran into these guys at the German club. And his father had been a Nazi, 
They invited yeah. him back to their place for a party because they recognised his surname. He didn't realise they were Nazis till he got to the house and it was the door was opened by a guy in his fucking SS uniform. No. They had the swastika in the backyard, but it was like Heidelberg West off yeah, Lower Plenty yeah. Road and he just thought this is the most wonderful punishment for these pompous... <laughs> evil bastards who thought they were going to enslave the world yeah. are now forced to hide in their enemy's backyard yeah. off Lower Plenty Road, surrounded by Greeks and Turks, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who they have to be nice to because they're yeah. such a minority group themselves. <laughs> yeah. Hanging out with fucking Darrow dipshits yeah. being like, oh, you want a fucking Dari? Gripping <laughs> Führer? Yeah, it's fucking good work. Good work, mate. Ah, fuck. Me. So yeah, the the anyway, the 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 apology was was uh gruesomely bad. The view count dropped consistently across it as well. Mm. Um but yeah, only demonstrating a substantial amount of emotion when you're talking about the church's reputational damage and doing all of this posing and never again bullshit about human child rights violations mm. while you're still hanging your fucking political hat of yeah. the Nauru and Manus Island atrocities. Yeah, in yeah. Which, which are actively using child abuse as a fucking cornerstone of government policy. Yeah, C- cunningly is- using the, the loopholes of national and international law to uh, <laughs> instill in human children literally a fate worse than death. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the fucking snakes. It's really S- awful. Scott Morrison is a monster. Yeah, he is. What a surprise. Shall we move on? We should, yeah. <laughs> I'm about to actually get cross. Yeah. I've we, cannot, got, we cannot get cross. I've got too much of a hangover to get cross. Uh, well, let's let's get cross. This is an old headline <sighs> from the very start right. of the week, uh, which is to say, what, Tuesday-ish last week. Yeah. Uh, it's not okay to be white. I would fucking think not, Kieran. By a slim majority, it's not okay to be white. Fucking Pauline Hanson's dumb fucking- The thought of it being okay to be white makes me want to bite people's faces off. Yeah. This is truly, like, disgusting and ridiculous in equal measures. So, Senator (sighs) Hanson- Yes, we have to call. She is Senator Hanson. (laughs) Absolutely choked on that. Um, That wasn't a bit. That was fully- Just a moment of (laughs) realisation. Yeah. It's the bit where your legs give out at the end of a very long marathon. Fucking Darren Hinch (laughs) is now the moral backbone of the fucking Senator. We're in in hell. Um, (laughs) He's going to go on a really long walk about it as well. Yeah. So, she moved a- politically and legislatively useless motion which just said that like anti uh, sorry <laughs> racism against whites is on the rise and it's okay to be white which is of course a fucking white supremacist uh catch it's an old bit from the white supremacists yeah it's also self-evident well i mean it's not it's not that it's okay to be white or it's not okay to be white it's more yeah. just it's it's completely fucking morally neutral to be white yeah. <laughs> there are white people <laughs> yeah uh it's fine. You don't need to worry about it. Um, uh, and the like that in itself is not too surprising because Pauline Hanson is an inveterate racist of uh, an old class. But no, that libs, wasn't the surprising. The bit. libs fucking voted with her. Every single liberal senator in attendance 
voted in support of the motion. Yeah. Because, apparently, the Attorney General's office had misread it as an anti-racist bill Mm. and instructed everyone to vote for it. But those instructions are not legally binding. No. That's just like, oh, yeah- our advice is support it. You're still supposed to have individual comprehensive capacity. Yeah. The whole point of the Senate is it's supposed to be the final and most mature deliberative chamber in the country that yeah. decides whether or not the lower house have got it right. And you had so many senators coming out and being like, look, I was a bit uncomfortable about <laughs> it. I wanted to any. vote against it, but then the email came down and it's like, then there's no, if it's literally, you're just going to vote in political blocks yeah. according to political strategy and tactics, the Senate has to go abolish a, the Senate. It's a hell of an escape strategy to say like, the reason that I voted for this horrible thing is that our <laughs> institution of democracy is corrupt and yeah. fucked up. All of them are fired right yeah. now. The whole thing goes, yeah. replace it with just a jury of the people. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, my favourite part was when they immediately tried to pressure the Senate into allowing a second vote so they could vote the right way around as if they hadn't just done it. And it's like, no, fuck, <laughs> fuck you guys. Yeah. No, we, the, the, which they did get. They got a chance to be on the record voting against it. Yeah. But yeah, they kind of even more anybody. pathetic, right? Because it had already been defeated by Labour and the Cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. It, wasn't a re- it wasn't like the people's vote for Brexit. It didn't go through. <laughs> yeah. It's just that they wanted to be on the right side of the battle which they just lost oh it was it was, a, it was an absolute pippin of a moment but the thing is though that there, there is like a there is a scintilla of uh reality to this motion so this motion would have become a resolution yeah not an order of the senate so it's not like a legally binding mm. but if a senate passes a resolution notionally yeah. That resolution can be used to reinforce other senatorial arguments. Yeah, right. So if if, if if some anti-discrimination legislation was to come through and they'd actually won this vote, then the right wing of the Liberal Party would have been able to use that resolution yeah, to try and force okay. people on, on the anti-discrimination stuff. And it gets all of the wrong people in the community very excited and leads to oh, actual yeah, yeah. harm. Oh, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely damaging, but I may have been underselling the, uh, the practical use. Uh, like it's not, it's not, it's, it's an unlikely circumstance that it yeah. would manifest, but it is pos- technically possible that resolutions have yeah. been used in the past to kind of bully people into adopting a more consistent kind of, you know, behaviour pattern. Yeah. I would like to remind the Senate that, uh, according to the resolution passed by Senator Hanson, it is okay to be white, and therefore... But this is one of the great ways fascists uh, get people, is with this, like, consistency fallacy. So they'll get mm. you to accept one premise. Yeah. And then go, but then given that, don't you think, you know... So so not, um, do you think we should or shouldn't stand up to the Nazis? But yeah. you say, well, but peace is good, though. Wouldn't it be good if countries never had to go to war again, you know? Yeah. Yes, obviously those things are true. And then you lead people into a position where they say, of course the Germans should be allowed to occupy the Sudetenland unopposed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a a tactic that I'm calling appeasement, a.k.a. not fighting. Um, Yeah. So for anybody who's wondering, obviously it's fine to be a white person. It's not completely morally neutral in the sense that... 
there are certain responsibilities yeah. that come along with the territory, but every- we've inherited a bunch of stuff that we need to redistribute yeah. or try to redistribute. But everybody but- inherits their context. That's like- right. With different weighting on like rights and responsibilities and perks and not perks, but but it per se obviously does not make somebody a better or worse person. Yeah, and it's that not difficult to just suggestion. fucking live your life as a white person either. This is what fucking gets to me. These people think that they're or try. I don't know if they're putting forward a front or if they genuinely believe that they're imperiled or whatever. But like. The vast majority of white people in this country blithely go around mostly okay, except for where they're caught up in the, you know, huge economic problems of our current society. But like, yeah. provided they're in a, in a racial up, sense, there is yeah. no genuine threat to white Australians from any kind of anti-white yeah. movement. That's just not a thing. <laughs> it's a preposterous <laughs> thing to suggest. Uh, yeah. Uh, maybe, I think this is one of the many times I feel that Pauline has misconstrued the bullying for being a redhead that she's experienced yeah. for some sort of broader anti-white well, Pauline Hansen absolutely gets bullied because she, not only because she's a redhead, but also because she's an idiot and a terrible person and ridiculous enough to bully. It's like, yeah, we can't fucking get her out of the government, <laughs> apparently, so we have to make fun of her stupid fucking self (laughs) but yeah this is one of those phrases that's tricky because like on its face it's like yeah it's okay to be white and that's you know how they can get people on side but this is one of the things we got from the senators as well people who backed it saying i wasn't aware of the context there of that like well your job is as a senator there's no you are professionally employed to navigate the realm of politics if you cannot spot an obvious fucking dog whistle yeah that is accompanied by a fucking foghorn, which was the rise of anti-white racism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. If your job is in government, and if you have, like, it, she announced the motion, like, three months before bringing it to the Senate. So, like, if you, it's your absolute <laughs> responsibility to research any race-related thing that Pauline Hanson is bringing to you. The right wing always do this, though. Right, their their, yeah. their their commentators will always say, "Oh, I didn't realize that was a sexist expression," mm. or you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, it's like your your job. You are professional communicators. Yeah, you know, if your mechanic puts a spark plug where a bolt should go, yeah. and your engine explodes, yeah, it's like yeah, good. I went to you because you advertised yourself as a professional, and you are. I mean, mechanics aren't well paid, but senators receive mental reimbursement. Yeah, for their jobs and they, and just, they have they each have their own staff <laughs> yeah fucking research shit for them do you know what phrase i never heard until recently when old white men started saying it and then being like oh i thought it was fine it's fucking n-word in the wood pile which now every second <laughs> geriatric dipshit just spurts do you know out why completely because- I think, like, two or three years ago in America, Mm. um, I I think she might have been a Democrat as well, but, like, somewhat of an aged one and from a strange part of the country. She used the expression, and everyone's kind of looked at her like she's deranged or ill or injured. And she's gone, what? I mean, you know the expression. And she repeats it, like, seven (laughs) times. And everyone's like, yeah, we know what you're saying. We just don't know why. What the fuck is wrong with you? You haven't heard this? You haven't heard this? (laughs) 
not what's going on. It's like when there's something that shouldn't be there. Yeah, no, we know. <laughs> yeah, like when you like the phrase you just yeah. said. In like you in this century. <laughs> it's a beautifully recursive, self-descriptive phrase. Um, let's bang on. I've, uh, bang I've on. Taking up too much time. I'm Talking of uh, bang on. Yeah. The Shooting Industry Foundation of Australia gun uh, lobby muscles up in bid to change post-Port Arthur gun laws. This is from uh, Sean Nichols on behalf of Four Corners. Good old Shorty. So there's going to be a uh, an expose, an investigation coming mm. up. This is merely a foretaste to it. But the Shooting Industry Foundation of Australia turns out to have uh, spent over a million dollars since 2014 yeah. lobbying. Around 1.4 million. It's That's quite a lot in terms of Australian yeah, political it's, bribery. It's like, always a little bit funny, though. When it's <laughs> in like, America, <laughs> it's just like, well, yeah, obviously, that's, yeah. The NRA that's how much it costs to three... take a shit in this country. But <laughs> Yeah. The NRA has an operating yearly budget of like $3 billion or something preposterous like that. So it's always a little bit cute when you read about the Australian budget. <laughs> but that doesn't make it any less alarming as, a, as an idea. What our awful bastards are up to. It's yeah. an interesting article, though, because obviously, like, these people want to sell their stuff and they're lobbying to get things changed. Yeah. That's not of any surprise. What is surprising is the fact that they actually have a plan that could work to get mm. it done, which is nothing to do with influencing domestic public opinion. Because mm. I think e- even, like, the centre-right, most Australians are pretty comfortable with yeah. minim- minimal guns. Yeah, generally. I don't think it's, it's 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 weirdos who... And it's actually not difficult to get access to guns if you do want to be a recreational shooter or if you need it for hunting or whatever. It's, like it's very easy if you've got a legitimate reason to have one. Yeah, yeah. so it's not like we're in fucking uh, absolute authoritarian land. It's just you can't just have one because you, you can't have one. military-grade ones because you want one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Unless you become a criminal or a police officer. Yeah. Um, uh, or yeah. both. Yes, yeah, I was figuring out how to interpolate that joke but they've got a a cunning scheme which is that they're trying to encourage voters they're trying to encourage just enough support for minor political parties mm. that they feel they can disrupt labor and the coalition sufficiently to be able to like scraggle little bits and pieces of wiggle room through yeah. as various kind of political deals in in various state senates. Mm-hmm. So they're working at a state level, not a federal level. And right. they're trying to get enough support for their bullshit in the upper house of each yeah. state to be, yeah, just able to frustrate policies with sufficiently cynical governments in charge that they'll yeah. be able to, yeah, winnow out bits of That's very canny because... Yeah, tough to get through oh, it's, federally, I, but in like Queensland, not their idea. Could, you yeah. know, they've paid someone to come up with this yeah. for them. There's no way these boneheads could possibly <laughs> have thought of it themselves. Yeah, <laughs> the sorts of people who have devoted their adult life to the concept that guns is cool, <laughs> yeah. and not capable of thinking up this kind of plan. Yeah. Um, but somebody has. Yeah, Bob Catter, bless him, <laughs> is actually furious about it. Um, oh, I thought you were going to say that Bob Catter thought it up, and I was like, no, he didn't. He can't string together a sentence without spinning off into some mental sideline about wildlife. <laughs> but but he's not in a position to say much about it, because his party is still a beneficiary of the campaign. Yeah. And uh, his son-in-law, 
It turns out to own Australia's largest domestic wholesaler of firearms. What a surprise. So Bobcat is in a very weird position. Yeah. Who else is involved, though, um, is Ray Trade, who you will remember from the happy jingles of the late 90s. Ray's Outdoors, come see what we've got. Tents and furniture, we've got the lot. The lot right now. And also Ray's Tent City. Um, (laughs) Currently currently want Port Arthur to happen again. Yeah, cool. How incongruous is is the world we live in, Karen? It's like every Australian retailer, like big Australian retailer, is just like fucking secretly some massive (laughs) right wing chud. And it's only become clear like recently when they have a platform to speak their fucking syphilitic white man ideas like uh, Dick Smith and Harvey Norman are both like they're sort of business monsters. But like, yes. Ray's outdoor. <laughs> Ray, get it together. We're going to find out soon the guy who owns Car City's in on it as well. Yeah, it'll be Car City. It'll be <laughs> Kent Bruce. Although Kent Bruce, I suspect, is like maybe a secret lefty somehow because he's gone completely mad. Uh, yeah. Chris and Mari. What are they going to be up to? Ugh, fuck knows, man. Probably um, pederasty. R- r- well, I was going to go like r- riding marijuana legalization straight into crystal meth lobbying or something. Yeah. Yeah, baby. <laughs> what Let, the fuck is going let's on? Let's not get started on Frank Walker from National Times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would he be the best, like, when Australia becomes a kind of just 100% fascist corporate environment, yeah. Frank Walker does all of the loudspeaker announcements. Yeah. <laughs> Hello! Frank Walker from National Tiles. It's okay to be white. Mixed blood is bad blood. Please form an orderly queue to get processed efficiently. (laughs) Yeah, I don't doubt that Frank Walker is a degenerate of some sort. You can tell. I'm not just talking about his voice. There's something off about him. I'm in a I'm in a poor position to to throw stones at people as far as making assumptions on on their voices. Yeah, is that's concerned. really quite mean of me. Actually, <laughs> Frank very Walker mean might of be you. A sweet I man. hope that Frank Walker is a sweet man. I someone one of them has to be right. <laughs> like there, there is, it is probable that one of these people is is a fit and, and decent human being. Uh, yeah, yeah. Look, there's there's got to be one. My money's on Kent Bruce, but I'll I'll take Frank Walker if it happens. Or there's that like very very creepy magician looking dude from the furniture store that you see on the back of trucks that drive around. Oh and yes, it's impossible, Rucci. It's impossible yeah, he to looks tell like self aware or not. He looks like he's if you don't buy the bed he's selling, you are going to end up stuffed inside the mattress. Yeah, there's something yeah. very terrifying about Mister Rucci. Yeah. I would almost be tempted to say Senor Rucci because he does have a, a, a kind of what what you know yeah I got a I got a furniture warehouse don't see the problem because I'm Italian <laughs> like, no no you're just really frightening Mr Rucci um, they've launched a campaign called this 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 is where I feel like we're going to get back into their usual uh, ham-fisted bullshit of CIFA. So their clever person's given them the uh, 
disrupt state senate's campaign strategy mm. but unfortunately left them or fortunately i should say fortunately for us unfortunately for them they have moved on now to other consulting and left cifa to execute it themselves yeah. so in uh in the lead up to the not happy dan campaign no <laughs> no this can't keep happening why does this country have to be so aggressively relentlessly mediocre <laughs> Urging voters to put Labour last. No. We have a fantastically coherent and elegant statement from Laura Patterson, who is the CIFA spokeswoman. She's the person they've chosen as the best speaker of the English language at CIFA to put forward the Not Happy Dan case. I can't deal with it. And I quote, If the circumstances came up in any jurisdiction in this country where we felt that a communications campaign in parallel with a political election cycle was appropriate, then we would make that decision on any given day, given the circumstances. <laughs> we want governments to be accountable for the decisions they make. What did she just say? I don't- I'm not- <laughs> <laughs> I think it basically boiled down to if uh, we think that a decision is the right decision to make, then we're not going to rule out making that decision if <laughs> it is deemed appropriate. She's just, this is like at when, the time. This is when German fucking idealist philosophers with those massive 70 volume fucking basic philosophy texts had to devote <laughs> an entire chapter just to absolutely rigorously defining the ontological uh, characteristics of a statement and just being like, if it is possible to say something, if it is possible to say that it is possible <laughs> that something may be said, then in such a circumstance, it could be said that an actor has spoken. It's like, Jesus, I understand that this is necessary for a philosopher, but you can't, you can't just do <laughs> for a, this. For a company you can't keep filling the world with words that mean nothing. The writers of Yes Minister have a lot to answer for, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because Nigel Hawthorne made it look so easy to do that Appleby-esque um, dodging. Now yeah. all these fucking people think that they, they, yeah. they can smooth through it too. Not understanding that it functions exclusively as a joke. Yeah. <laughs> so like- yeah, and that in real life, the minister would just say, express yourself clearly or I will fire you. Yeah. <laughs> I do yeah. not have to sit here and listen to this rubbish. Yeah. I'm your boss. <laughs> I'm um, literally your boss. I, l I looked it up and I'm disappointed to report that the only news about Frank Walker is that he's gotten attention for his voice. So, like, <laughs> every two-bit public figure in this country, he's just now been remixed into a song and gone on the project to talk about his weird voice and done a guest stint as a voiceover guy on Mix FM. <laughs> so, who knows if he's a fucking fascist or not. <laughs> I like to think that Frank Walker would be like a genuinely well-meaning fascist, though. Yeah, like in, in the in the in the same way that he runs National Tiles. <laughs> like, yeah. I'd be like, yeah. be like, what? I'm the responsible person. What? <laughs> yeah, someone has to be in charge after all. <laughs> why, why not me, <laughs> the voice of reason? Uh, so I think, as furious as I am that the gun lobby uh, have decided to. They're going to go after John Howard's only good thing he ever did in his life. Yeah. Um, 
I, I'm pretty confident that these guys these nincompoops do not have the fucking wherewithal to pull it off. Good, here's <laughs> here's hoping. I think Gladys Berejiklian would be able to deal with them. I don't think we need to work. <laughs> <laughs> Grim. <laughs> I know, isn't that just the sickest burn I've ever given someone? Yeah. Well, let's push on. Uh. My last headline is Karen Phelps won the uh, by-election in Wentworth. In a triumph for... Yeah, independent, uh, openly gay Karen Phelps, pro-addressing climate change, uh, probably, other than that, mostly a spineless centrist. Oh, Uh, she's 100% self-described as a sensible centrist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, but she beat Dave Sharma and... uh, and, uh, yeah, there's, that means that now it's, uh, hung parliament, I guess. It is. To, Although, remember, like... It's not going to change much. It's not going to change it means much. that they can't push through, like, an Adani as permanent environment minister bill or some monstrous That's true. shit like that. That's true. And there is, um, there's a slight chance that if they want to bargain for her vote they are going to have to come up with less extreme right-wing nonsensical ideas yeah but she see although she's a fiscal conservative she does seem to understand that there is some need for community (laughs) spending and things yeah and we're so far past fiscal conservatism at this point that like any step back while we still have to put up with these uh skexies any Oh yeah, restraint is a welcome one. This is a good result. It's better than if Sharma had won. It would have been awful. There was that scary bit where the postal votes were swinging back in. It was like, oh no, are the postal votes finally going to mean something? Oh, thank God, no, they're not. (laughs) No, yeah. So uh, Wentworth has been a liberal seat forever, and it literally has. Yeah, yeah, since Federation, I think. Yep. Well, so, since there's been a Liberal Party, sorry. Not- yeah. And so this is like a massive, massive thing. And somebody said it was like the biggest swing against any government in history. 19 points is pretty enormous. Yeah. So uh, here's what's funny about it, though. Uh, what <laughs> Libs and uh, Lib sympathizers are saying. Oh, was it? Is it Malcolm Turnbull's fault, Kieran? <laughs> Some people are blaming <laughs> who touched down in Sydney the day after the election to smugly be like, look at what you've done. Uh, and who resolutely refused to endorse <laughs> Dave Sharma. In and- fairness, I don't think anybody should ever endorse Dave Sharma. I think. No, but like uh, Abbott was like, oh, I think it's pretty bad. Of- uh, I think it's pretty. Uh, I think, uh, I think, uh, I think, uh, yeah, if the uh, previous uh, previous uh, prime minister, if the previous prime minister <laughs> yep, yep. would have uh, seen fit to uh, endorse, if he'd seen fit to endorse the candidate, then uh, how did that man ever get elected? <laughs> how did he ever get elected? Uh, and then who was it? Fucking uh, somebody else was like, yeah, all he had to do was write five words. Please vote for Dave Sharma. And it's like, the reason he's writing the five words, the reason he's not writing the five words isn't because he's lazy. It's because he doesn't want to fucking endorse Dave Sharma. And his son is going off at the party right now. So why would he, (laughs) 
use your toxicity to also suddenly inject strain into his family life. Alex Turnbull gives way more of a shit about this than his dad does. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah, Alex Turnbull. Not a good person, it must be said, but doing good work <laughs> at, at the all, moment. but sometimes you've got to be one to deal with them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris Pine had maybe the funniest, like, uh, sunny side of the of the field take where he said, uh, uh, ah, hello. The Monday before the by-election, an internal showed us losing 59 to 41. And the re- final result was 51 to 49. So we pulled back the margin very substantially. Which is just the fucking... The weakest... In some ways, it was a victory. We hung in there long enough to suffer the most embarrassing defeat possible. So in many ways, our stamina is to be applauded. Oh. And then Nick Cater wrote an uh, article for The Australian, which I couldn't access because it was behind a paywall. But the headline was, uh, Weird Wealthy Wentworth is Not the Real Australia. And there's a uh, quote from it, which is, The Liberals' core vote is in Lamington land, not cupcake country. All right. So, is- Lamingtons are not fancier than cupcakes. Or the other way around, by the way. So, if, if anything... Yeah. Lamingtons are made with sponge cake. They're probably more difficult. They're fucking cupcakes. infinitely harder than cupcakes yeah. to make. You've got a layering system with jam and, and then a coating. And some of them are dipped in. Stuff. Some of them are dipped in. Uh, are dipped in jelly. Yep. There's a little. But there's no spot that's like Australia that's more yeah. Australia or less Australia than yeah, another exactly. bit of Australia. It's a complete <laughs> fucking <laughs> nonsense statement <laughs> from a moronic racist probably I don't even know who he is but I just have to assume based on that take that he writes for the Australian yeah yeah and it's it's yeah and also committing this like American fallacy of the core voter because it's like you have a base and you need to plead the please the base to an extent but you don't have to get them out to vote they're gonna vote for you so it's like you can't just be like oh liberals are for real australia so actually you know we're true to ourselves by losing this seat that we've never lost before what the fuck are you talking about if the australia that the liberals represent isn't wentworth then why have you always held wentworth you sudden fucking prevaricating cunts get out of here trying to talk your way around the loss you know scott morrison the absolute boob at least is the only man who's had the, the fucking decency to say that the loss of Wentworth was the Liberals' fault. Yeah. He's the only one, and it's fucking... Also, I liked his whole bit of, well, it's been becoming, you know, a, a better educated, more secular, and <laughs> more diverse uh, area for some while, yeah. so this was going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's a shame it's, it's happened it's now, but it's go. a shame it's... <laughs> Bad timing. <laughs> but Bad the kid timing. was always going to leave home at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. All right. That's it. Let's move on to topics, shall we? Topics. All right. Quick, very quickly before we get to the topic, uh, let's just quickly run through the shit that we didn't talk about this week because there was a, a fuckload of it. I have... Uh, Grim, metadata laws under fire as authority creep has more ag- agencies accessing your information. So the original 22 uh, government agencies that were allowed to access metadata has blown out as state agencies keep uh, trying to uh, access that information. Very, very bad. I've also got Liz Warren, who made the absolutely critical mistake 
of confronting Donald Trump's Pocahontas comments by being like, no, I did a DNA test and actually I am one thirty second to one <laughs> 256th Native American. Which is about the, honestly, it's, 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 it's what you'd just expect to top up for anybody because we all have yeah. sufficiently shared DNA. Yeah, it's fucking, <laughs> it's, it's super, super dumb of her. Uh, some dude bought scottmorrison.com.au and had a big picture of Scott Morrison and the song Scotty, Scotty doesn't, doesn't Know from Eurotrip. Uh, he's given it back now, which is bad. But the first <laughs> the first line from the uh, from the article is just funny, uh, a great piece of classical humorous uh, phrasing. Scott Morrison's personal website has been taken over and now plays a lewd rock song called Scotty Doesn't Know. <laughs> lewd. And also, oh, Rudd, no. Rudd released a book where he just calls everybody fucking dickheads, uh, including... I wish he uh, called everybody Wayne fucking Swan. dickheads. No. But it's going to be, you know, zounds, you rotters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had an an extended critted cricket metaphor to talk about uh, Wayne Swan. And listen to this. It's the most... <laughs> it's dog shit writing. The treasurer should always be one of your top order batsmen. At best, Swan would come to the crease in the low to middle order, often in trouble, always defending his wicket and ever so rarely on the front foot. So he doesn't actually know how the sequence of batting works because no. middle order batsmen aren't actually any worse. You, you you want your opening batsmen. It should not be your premium strikers because they're there to condition the ball and get things ready for the middle order batsmen who are actually the best batsmen in your team. Sure. This is the also tail end aren't batsmen; they're bowlers. So, quite another thing that Rudd is wrong about, <laughs> and quite apart from the accuracy of the metaphor, is just like it's a classical case of one of those things where you enter in with a simple idea. Wayne Swan isn't very good at cricket, but then by <laughs> moving through the metaphor, you quickly lose the link to the thing that you're being metaphorical about, and eventually you're just talking about literally how Wayne Swan isn't very good at cricket yeah. somehow. When you're left with the position of, like, well, you're the captain who kept putting him in that position yeah. because he was your fucking treasurer, yeah. and he the, was defending your shitty wicket, not his. <laughs> the nationally disgraced captain. Who was ousted? Kevin Rudd, whose government was an exciting thing at the time, but is a hundred percent a megalomaniacal piece of shit. Yeah, and weak. That was the problem. Is he was weak. Mm. He all all the easy fruit he hit like no trouble. Yeah. But as soon as there was a scintilla of opposition, everything just fell apart in a screaming tantrum. They yeah. should have gone with Gillard from the very start. Quite right. But anyway, that's that's my rejects. Do you have uh, offcuts? Yes. Jason Miller, former Trump advisor, sues Will Menneker of Chaffo Trap House <laughs> over tweet. So he's already suing um, Gizmodo Media Group, mm-hmm. um, which includes Menneker's uh, partner, yeah, uh, for a hundred million dollars US. Yeah. And all he's done is he's including um, he's including Menneker in the court case now. Yeah, so because it's not Menneker called, Menneker called him a called rat him a rat faced baby, baby killer, killer, which is a reference to an allegation that um, that Miller spiked a woman's drink with um, abortion mm. medication. Basically, it made her very ill and terminated her pregnancy. Yeah, and also. Like he's not really a rat faced. He he looks like an infected hemorrhoid that's been forced into mm, a suit. Mm, mm. But <laughs> the accuracy of Medica's colourful image <laughs> imagery is not the thing that's on trial here. I don't think it's gonna uh, go anywhere the because on- he- the only scary thing about it is that he has the lawyer that uh 
helped Peter Thiel. He, he has guys who worked with the lawyer. Oh, okay. So not the- So right. it's like the junior squad. Yeah. Um, well, that's like from the producers who brought you the prestige. Yeah. It's, it's always- It is, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and because- um, Hulk Hogan was able to prove pretty comprehensively that he suffered mm. reputational damage, which yeah. is why Gorka got shot in the back of the head. And Gorka, the, the Gorka people were pieces of shit. They were, yeah. Um, Jason Miller doesn't have a reputation. He's not going to suffer any reputational yeah. damage. There are no damages that follow from this. So yeah. he's just an idiot who's wasting his time. Good, good. Also for fun, I had... Do-do-do-do-do... I have deleted the notes. Uh, so I'm only going to have one thing for my speed through, which was that. Okay, that's fine. That's I fine. had another bit that was good, but I'm not going to try and remember it because I'll get details wrong and we pride ourselves on our profession. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're always accurate. We're always professional. Oh, that's right. 2nd of November, the Proud Boys is coming uh, to Melbourne yes. to share their gospel of misogyny and anti-masturbatory yeah. neo-fascism. So... Turn up, uh, turn up. I think it's Fed Square yeah. for a polite, respectful, non-violent protest against the horrible fascist bastards. Yeah, cool. I'm for it. Uh, but let's not beat around the bush any longer. What's your topic? My topic is, I guess, political directions mm-hmm. and uh, weird collective delusions, mm-hmm. and it was inspired. Partly by the bit I touched on previously, whereby the uh, gun lobby have decided to publicly announce, which was a massive mistake. Mm. Um, I should have I should have mentioned that in the headline. Huge tactical blunder was allowing us to find out they're doing this by announcing that they're doing it. Yeah, terrible <laughs> move. It's like you're the literally people would be happier with the tobacco lobby making yeah. a comeback. <laughs> yeah. This is an awful idea, but it, this comes from partly uh, partly that that political action, and also Craig Laundy, who is the uh, liberal member for the Labor Party, who the has been member for the Labor Party. Well, I mean, he's very much a Labor Party politician who's in the Liberal Party. Yes, okay. um, has slammed his colleagues for reading the Australian newspaper watching Sky News and listening to 3AW, essentially. <laughs> yeah, all of the things which is which basically define who they are at the moment. Yeah, but he, uh, he quite rightly is concerned. He's a right-winger, but yeah. he's not from the extreme right. He's from the centre-right uh, of Australian politics. Yeah. Uh, and he has basically launched a plea for sanity, asking his colleagues not to overestimate the impact of this fringe group of very right-wing journalists yeah who and pundits who they seem to be following for all of their advice yeah because these guys are not popular amongst the australian public keep in mind every single organization all of them work for is kept alive by the desperate labor of rupert murdoch just pumping huge amounts of money if it was allowed to be like a case of market logic yeah they would all have died. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course, that's the case. That uh, I mean, at least they're starting to reap the rewards of that. Like, the Liberals are eating shit at an extremely accelerated rate at the moment. So They are, which I think will lend credence to what he's saying, which is yeah. essentially that we are sacrificing 80% 
point, 80 percentage points in marginal seats to pick up 20 percentage points. It's fucking mental what we're doing. Yeah. It's exactly the uh, strategy that the Democrats used in the US election in uh, 2016. Yeah. It fucking bit them in the ass. Yeah, and, and the strategy that uh, the Liberal Democrats used in the UK when they were in coalition with the Tories. Mm. It's this weird idea politicians have, which is that it's easier to cultivate a small group of horrible people than a large group of decent or reasonable yeah. people. I think it's possibly because politics has hit a point now where the Labour and Liberal parties feel they have more overlap in their demographics than they ever have yeah. before. And the Labour Party is absolutely refusing to pursue the hard left for votes. Yeah. So the Liberals feel like they therefore are supposed to be pursuing the hard right as like a demarcation yeah, argument or something. It's possible. It's also that like really far right politics are much easier in a sense than sort of any sort of sensible centre politics and certainly left-wing politics because the problems are all fucking boogeymen and the solutions don't have yeah, to work. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you can just say you've solved a right-wing problem as easily as you can say that it exists in the first place. Yeah, and human cost is kind of the point of a lot of those uh, laws and, like, policies. So when there's a human cost, of course, it, it's kind of... It's easy to be like, we're going to fuck these people up for your benefit. Yes. It's and for their benefit. Yeah. Don't forget. That's yeah. the, the best bit, is the, yeah. the argument that it's for their own good. Yeah. Like Which a PE teacher. never has to be proven. No, well, cause, and can't be, even mm. if you tried to. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that's it. I think the differentiation thing is probably the lion's share of it. Yeah. So they so which which is even more frightening because it means they're walking blind into this madness as well. Yeah. They don't have a fucking clue what Andrew Bolt is talking about. They're mm. just going to listen to what he has to say because they instinctively feel like they're supposed to be different from the Labour Party and they have no fucking ideas of their own. Yeah. <laughs> That's really frightening. That's- it is frightening and it's hard to know whether it's like kind of going to be the optimist in me, who is an idiot, which is why I don't listen to him very often, uh, is like, well, the Libs are taking knocks at the moment. They're most likely going to lose the next election. Maybe that spells uh, a kind of failed attempt at this far-right shit-gaining traction in the mainstream. But on the other hand, there's all this other stuff, which is we have now these nationalistic uh, groups, which aren't just the horrible little greasy pockets that they used to be, but are starting to get a platform and we're getting, you know, proud boys and shit coming to our shores and promoting their shit with, uh, a lot of people going to bat for them. And, uh, you know, Dutton figures, are on the rise as well. So I don't know which way it's going to tip. Uh, I, the, the usually right cynical part of me suspects that it's naive to think that this isn't just another step in the direction of I think extremism. over the course of our adult lives, the Liberal Party are going to start trending leftwards. Yeah. I th- either that or they're going to become like a small third party. Yeah. It's either, either they keep the velocity that they've got or the direction that they've got and they become a small but influential third party, mm. um, like the British Liberal Democrats, yeah. or they start to track towards the left and embrace the fact that we now have 
a sort of a, a more pluralistic and a more ethnically diverse demographic in yeah. Australia. I guess what we're seeing at the moment feels to me like the death screams of a generation. Yeah. And once they're gone, the Liberal Party will have a chance to address this crisis with some new people at the helm. Yeah. They're not going to become a left-wing party, obviously. F- but they're, like they're always going to be a pro-business lobbying group. But I think this particular strain of like post-imperial Anglo fury politics yeah. is eventually going to but so you're going to bleed out of the party or it's going to kill them. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hopefully. The question is also not just what happens to the libs, but what, what this entire nexus, uh, what effect it has on the non-political groups or the non-party groups and the right-wing movement in general. Right-wing extremism. Well, a lot of, a lot of them... Uh are sort of like those fish that feed off parasites. Yeah, the remora fish. The remora fish. They come off a lot in our... Because so much of Australian politics is literally a game of what remora. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I think without the Liberal Party Hulk kind Mm. of forging its way through the waters, I think their main food source will collapse. So many of these groups feed off the legitimacy they get from the Liberal Party right and and the Nationals Party. Yeah. Which is, uh, I think I dropped very briefly last week that uh, the young Nats had been- Yeah, they've, uh, they're, they're in trouble with the rest of the party now, aren't they? They've, they've, done a, they've suspended all me- uh, membership applications until they yeah, and they've figure ki- out a better vetting process. They've kicked a bunch of people out and they've suspended the two people who were on the board who were largely responsible for bringing that stuff in. So, like, that's- So, they're ahead of the Liberals on this. And, yeah. And, and, and the Liberals positive. are supposed to be more socially progressive than the Nationals. Yeah. But it's just, it's all, it's all a fucked, as they say. But I guess it's it's easier for the nationals to spot this because they're a smaller party with a smaller yeah. membership pool. It's it's more obvious when like just one dickhead turns up in the room. Yeah, you know, you can respond more quickly. And it's also like that crusted on common sense uh, conservatism of country bumpkins in the nationals is like, it's always going to be like conservative and not very. Uh, favourable to society as a whole, but some dude who's managing, like, cattle concerns in regional New South Wales is going to come back and be like, what the fuck is all of this white nationalist bullshit? We don't have time for any of this. We want to fucking steal water from the Murray-Darling Basin to irrigate our monocrops that are slowly (laughs) eradifying the Our rice and cotton that we insist on growing here for some fucking completely unknowable reason. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't give a flying fuck about being a fucking Nazi, mate. Get out of here. Sound like one of them black fellas so crazy. So they're like still racist and horrible, but they just don't have the energy or the the uh, motivation to be like that style. Of yeah, it, it definitely, racist. definitely identity politics wars are less of a concern for the Nats because they do have a massive drought to deal with. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure a thing that's and going it's, on. It, yeah, it's just generally not seems to be a part of their character. Also, the Nationals are coming around to the idea of um, migration to the countryside as well. Yeah. So, their, their positions flipped massively from, like, 40 years ago. Yeah. Where the worst thing that could ever happen was, um, you know, ethnic minorities start turning up in the countryside. They're now fucking desperate for it. Like, please. Yeah. 
please anyone. We'll take anyone. <laughs> we can see what you meant when you said that immigration is good for the economy and society as a whole. We do understand that you need people yeah. for there to be an economy. Which, I mean, they're still pieces of shit, but you have to give them credit compared to every other group in their position who have just dug in on this wasteful well, shit. I-, I get a vibe that the Nationals Party is changing mm. a lot in the sense that during the 90s, you got no sense that this was a political party that was remotely interested in having an identity or doing anything. Yeah. They now seem to be... I think since the fusion in Queensland, more and more of them wanting the party to be a more distinct voice, yeah, uh, to be less reliant on its senior partner. And I think, honestly, to move in a different direction on quite a few issues because they're yeah. starting to realise that their interests aren't necessarily as aligned as they were during the Cold War. Yeah. There's no reason that country Australia has to be synonymous with conservative Australia. Well, and they're starting to see the contradictions between the free market fetishization of the Liberal Party and the need in rural community for there to be essentially agri-socialism, you know? Yeah, yeah. Man, that'll be wild. Although Barnaby might be going for another shot at the leadership of the party, so... Yeah, I don't. They're, they're not going to tolerate him. I don't think. I think they're. I think they are very over Barnaby Joyce. <laughs> yeah, he's hoping. He's hoping. Everybody's over. I'm Everybody's tired of over Barnaby. Barnaby Joyce. Yeah, I know. Barnaby definitely is. That's why he's doing this because yeah. he had to sit with himself for two weeks, and it was the worst <laughs> thing that's ever happened to him. Yeah. Please put me into a <laughs> position where my psyche is so frequently compromised by differing concerns that I don't have the time to look at myself. I just see his... It's like the control panel in his brain, a series of possessed demonic scarecrows yeah, fantasizing about a sort of nightmare agricultural dystopia. <laughs> Gingerly picking past the really hair-trigger lever that's just labelled boner in the middle <laughs> of the road that you have to... <laughs> Carefully shuffled around. (laughs) It's good. It's good to conceptualize. Anybody like ever less surprised to discover that someone's a high functioning alcoholic than when Barnaby Joyce was like, also, I should be honest with the public, I have been drunk quite a lot of the time. (laughs) Like, oh yeah, no, that's your entire (laughs) head looks like a swollen nose. We were barely on board with that, dude. Yeah. (laughs) And we knew it wasn't from the long hours you were spending tilling the fucking fields when you were The spider veins on your face have just actually been spelling out a list of the drinks that you consume daily, you fucking idiot. Yeah. So, I think Laundie's doing something good here for Australia as a whole. If It's not going to work, because I think these guys... His, I, I think this may be the beginning of a lot of liberal moderates realising how bereft of ideas their party actually is. Yeah. But, uh, and that, that that could be an interesting culture coup that could be launched within the party. Yeah. So often we get to see moderates um, launch coups, but it yeah. might be quite fun. Christopher, hey. Christopher Pine in like a Civil War recreation hat, <laughs> shooting <laughs> pistols out of the... Yeah. Bang! He, Bang! He is just Arnold Judas Rimmer. He's my favourite. Christopher Pine is such a weird. Movie. I cannot <laughs> wait to see what happens next. 
ever since like that there was that brief period where he seemed like he could be quite a damaging force to society but then he yeah, was then robbed of all of his power I, and ever <laughs> since then he's just been amusing all of the genuine fucking lunatics that put their hands up as well yeah like oh god christopher's actually quite yeah moderate like he's just a corrupt weasel, but he's in—he's yeah. sane. He's—he's <laughs> he's an older, older species. Of he like, is, isn't he? <laughs> he's just your typical gross private schoolboy, yeah, weasel, as you say. And then, yeah, compared to the absolute orcs that have just <laughs> coming out of the woodwork, yeah, he's a breath of fresh air. Christopher Pine would be a joy to watch Hey Hey It's Saturday with during the heydays because <laughs> you know he'd actually appreciate Red Simon's occasional clever puns and classical illusions. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fun game. Let's imagine the context in which it would be fun to hang out with Christopher Pine. Definitely, definitely Hey Hey It's Saturday. Mm. Possibly uh, playing badminton. Yeah, badminton would probably be all right. <laughs> He'd probably be pretty good to go to see a musical with. Oh my god, absolutely. Yeah, not Rocky Horror though. No, no, no. That or for Nanny. Yes, I can see that. Mm. Uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Absolutely. Oh yeah, it'd be all In across fact, that. He has an encyclopedic knowledge of <laughs> Narnia's geography and politics. Oh I yes, it. he would. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> What a fucking idiot. Okay. Our first crowdfunder campaign. <laughs> Darcy and Kieran want to hang out with Christopher Pine and see if it's possible to enjoy his company in the, in the interests of science. Yeah. And we'll document the whole thing. Live tweet it. Also want to find out how much of, how much of him is real as far as his yeah. persona and ideas are concerned. It's a very interesting question for sure because i have a harbor a secret hope that he goes home every day and slips on like a raw silk tie-dye shirt and yeah. rolls a camberwell carrot with his feet up on the <laughs> coffee table i don't think like so. yeah. oh those fucking squares man i don't know how much longer i can keep doing this <laughs> but i'm not getting a real job <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I reckon he's one of those dudes that's like, uh, one of those guys that is going home and watching like RuPaul's Drag Race and reading like, uh, what's her fucking name? Oh, Michelle Visage, RuPaul's little 2IC. No, no, but- <laughs> She's from Joyzy. Sure. Uh, oh, fuck. No, the American political- uh, commentator. I don't know. I think he's all about that, like, mainstream Oh, Maureen, Maureen O'Dowd? No, Maureen Dowd. no I, you, you're not going to guess it. She's one of a million different people. <laughs> My brain is... Megan McArdle. Me. Definitely not Megan McArdle. No. Megan McArdle is very tall, Kieran. Uh, yeah, don't yeah. Don't forget that about her. <laughs> I refuse to forget that about her. Christopher Pine would probably, I think, like, neatly fit in one of her boots as an accessory. Yeah. Probably, and he would probably love that. I don't doubt that he has a he giant. He's exactly that kind of private yeah. school boy weasel as well, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. But uh, no, I just think he goes home and he, he, I reckon he loves fucking like uh, culturally progressive media, specifically stuff coming out of America. I reckon he's all about that. I reckon he's been wanting to say Yas Queen for the last four years. 
holding <laughs> it'd be it. his like resignation speech yeah <laughs> the impending resignation speech of christopher yeah. vine yeah hopefully live your truth christopher do it i dare you what though i think i was just gonna like skate back to the topic for a second i think our political system is sufficiently weak that we're gonna have to wait for rupert murdoch to die yeah except his son is an absolute fucking abyssal monster yeah i know worse than rupert but but does he necessarily have the skills to keep it all together well, I mean, that is the question, but- uh, He probably is. I, does Rupert even have anything to do with it anymore? I mean, maybe not. He might be senile by now. I do know that his son has actively has an agenda and is way fucking sketchier and more reactionary than, than Rupert even. Which really? Is, which is terrifying. Yeah. It is terrifying. He's like full white supremacist, like- Oh, good. Then maybe he will trash everything. I mean, it's possible. It's possible that he's such a monster that he won't be- Or make to- it worse. To do that, will the Liberal Party ever be able to break away from the right wing press? That's a really do you think they even can? Uh, Not in the current environment, but no, they probably can't. Who knows what the fuck is going to happen over the next ten years? So it's ironic. The more they damage the ABC, the more subservient and powerless they make themselves to the forces of right wing populism. Yeah. A strong. This is where I, I try to explain to friends of mine who insist that the a, a Liberal Party is a thing that you can support, <laughs> <laughs> and that the AVC is a sort of surreal monster. Mm. Is that the ABC is in the Liberal Party's interests, assuming that they are interested in doing good governance based on evidence, mm. which is in their interest as much as in Labor's or the Greens or anybody else's. Yeah. By damaging the ABC, they make themselves weaker and more vulnerable to bullying. Yeah. And and, and and is that not just the most depressing thing, that our country is run by the sorts of people who are actively trying to undermine themselves to yeah. please their masters? It, it's a very, creepy, like... creepy, weird psychology. It's a very, like, mid-90s sci-fi fantasy film kind of gambit where yeah you you destroy the restraints that are just trying to pull you back to the side of good or whatever and then yeah fully commit yourself to the demon who's just the tall man in shithouse prosthetics hopefully i don't know i, I mean one, one of the things i was hoping for was was that um the news core empire would run out of money eventually because they yeah. they fund so many political um entities essentially yeah that, that run at losses i was hoping yeah. that, but then they won their internet neutrality thing in america yeah so it's their the, their print shit probably doesn't make a lot of money but their like, print stuff loses money Foxtel and uh, but now that Fox net neutrality is dead the net stuff is like, their license to print has not been revoked essentially yeah there are there are profitable ventures in it and like yeah they have revenue streams it's scary um well oh cool bleak it is bleak but it's the name it's of the refreshing show. and interesting yeah at least we've got, um, like, Laundy's sort somewhat of a seniorish person in the Liberal Party. Yeah, he's not in a position where like they can just completely ignore him. He's got friends. Yeah, 
Um, so we have, yeah, I don't know, may, maybe a, a moderate backlash amongst the liberals. Mm. Could be, could be, could be a good thing. It comes off the back of John Hewson yeah. telling people to vote Labour when yeah. a former leader of your party comes out to bat for the opposition. That's a bad look. That's a fucking really bad look. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, things could be turning. Look. It didn't work, though. Paul Keating did not have a heart attack, so still still, uh, still nothing for one, Houston. Still no- <laughs> nice. Uh, all right, we're, we're running long. Should we crash through this second topic? Let's really do good? the second topic. My second topic. Uh, Remembering, Kieran, of course, that people can pause this if they want to. Yeah, I know. I'm not, I'm not too uh, worried. It's just I, I used to listen to uh, the Grandma's Virginity podcast when that was on. And it started out as a refreshing, brisk one-hour romp, and uh, then by the they 40s, started to it's like they started three-hour episodes. They, yeah, yeah, yeah with, three hours is too much. With fucking half-hour-long uh, reader feedback segments, which oh, nobody just needs that. Dragged on and you on can just publish on. those on your site. Yeah, that's why. That's that's why we don't. Re- no, we we'll we'll read reader feedback anyway uh, it's neither here nor there well you figure um, out how you're going to start your topic i'll see if we've had any reader feedback okay uh my b topic boo this <laughs> week i'm getting back to my roots of facile pop culture because lately i've just been engaging with serious news items that uh just a depressing. Like would Christopher Pine fit in Megan McArdle's boot? Well, this this episode's been different. I mean, the last few weeks. The fear, and, uh, fair. <laughs> and uh, it's not a good look because I don't I don't put the effort in to <laughs> make a good analysis. So I'm back to pop culture, and my topic this week is just uh, I'm going to talk about the man in the high castle and see if uh, if I can convince some people to watch it. Maybe it has a soft recommendation from me. So, its third season has just dropped, uh, and their fourth season is currently filming. It's based on the Philip K. Dick novel, The Man in the High Castle, same name. And uh, it's about, it's set in the 60s in North America, in a world where the Axis won the Second World War. And the East Coast is controlled by the Reich, and the West Coast is controlled by Japan. Jesus, so it sounds terrible. So it's set, like, in New York and San Francisco, and then the middle of the uh, country, there's a neutral zone. So it sets some in there as well. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting show with a fucking hell of a cast. Uh, it's a little slow at times. But what I uh, recommend about it is it's got, like, a bit of a sci-fi conceit to it because it is a, an adaptation of a Philip K. Dick novel, but that's never, like, the central kind of uh, thing. To his credit, as a gimmicks man, uh, Philip K. Dick is often just leaning very heavily on the, the implications of his sci-fi gimmicks. But here he... <clears throat> I don't know how it is in the book. People say it's a masterpiece. But in the show, uh, at least they devote a significant amount of time to just sort of examining what life would be like in the States under uh, German and Japanese fascism. And uh, stuff like that. It's interesting. Oh, that's marvelous! Yeah, it's a good show, man. It's got some good actors in it. What? What? Fucking- what's the most interesting difference between assuming that German and Japanese fascists would be mm. able to cooperate for more than thirty well, seconds? The tension between the two states is a key uh, plot element on the show, of course. 
I'm pleased to know that. Mm. But 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 from contemporary actual American dystopia yeah. to uh, hypothetical fascist American dystopia, yeah. what what's the main fascinating difference that we've got in the man in the in the high tower, uh, the high castle? Um, Sorry, the the big house. Well, it's interesting. German Nazi uh, America is basically just the wet dream of the white supremacists at the moment. So there's a kind of uh, uh, so everyone has a everyone has a sort of wholesome vegan farm. It's <laughs> it's all very uh, authoritarian and traditional and family values and stuff, and you can't speak out of turn. And it it shows the idea of what Americans would be like if raised from birth under the ideology and the tension between the people who have had to convert and the people who were born there. So yeah, the Nazi America is basically just like what the proud boys want. And uh, of course it's the more oppressive nightmarish <laughs> of the two. <laughs> and then Japanese uh, fascist America is kind of a little bit just like more overtly American. <laughs> like the Kenpei Tai are actually executing people in the streets and stuff and doing their reprisals or whatever, but it right. is But that doesn't of- happen in real America, so that's fine. Yeah, it's just <laughs> a little more overt, maybe. Uh, but yeah, yeah. It's also more like culturally diverse and, uh, you know, the Japanese are largely interested in Americana uh, in the show and in the American Reich, they're like burning down the Liberty Bell, melting down the Liberty Bell and stuff and actively destroying uh, American culture. So they're essentially portraying the Japanese occupiers of Mm. fascist America as being a bit like Japanese tourists are anyway. Kind of, yeah. Less polite. Yeah, I wonder if there's maybe a... a Less Edwardian in their manners. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the, uh, yeah, the Japanese socialite class... uh, uh, depicted very much as having a bit of an envy for the old American socialite class. And there's, there's a little bit of that, but of course they're still, uh, led by militaristic fucking psychos and, and, uh, and what have you. And, uh, I don't know how it's politics is generally like in our current world, because it's obviously taken to such an extreme, uh, lens. I don't know if it's advocating for just, milquetoast liberalism or socialism or whatever but it is like i think a pretty good insofar as a as a piece of pop culture like this can be it's a pretty good look at like what a nice experiment slowly boiling in the uh in the environment of fascism might be like so so an interesting thought isn't it yeah it is one of those, because there's so many of these alternate history stories like Wolfenstein and shit like that, where it's just like, oh, and the Nazis have taken over. And, I think it, and you just that was disgraceful that Bethesda chose to portray the Nazis the way mm. they did. They were lucky there wasn't a second Gamergate, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I, I don't Just I, disgraceful. I didn't, I, I didn't. Did you miss that backlash? I didn't even play the, uh, the games. I didn't play it either. Yeah. I just enjoyed watching. <laughs> Who's the uh, Bethesda CEO? Oh, fuck. I say that he was just absolutely not going to apologize for making a video game about shooting Nazis. I did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did, I did <laughs> say like, that. No. <laughs> <laughs> what are you fucking kidding me? I'm, I can be as spineless as any CEO <laughs> in the pursuit of a market, but no, I'm <laughs> fucking yeah. not. I draw the line here, my friends. <laughs> it is okay to advocate shooting Nazis yeah. in made up universes. In made-up universes. <laughs> it is 100%. <laughs> Totally fine. Also outside of made-up universes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Addendum. Darcy Addendum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bash the fash. It's totally okay. Um, yeah, good show. I recommend it. All right. It's got a, a, it's it, got it, Stephen Root in it, ooh. although he's a little bit underutilized. And then Rufus uh, Sewell and Joel De La Fuente are very good. There's Mickey Rourke. No, sorry, Mickey Rooney um, <laughs> return and play like Emperor Mikado. <laughs> uh, uh, no, unfortunately oh, not. Although the- Because that the, would have been a nice relief sequence, I think. Yeah. The leader of the Kempeitai is a uh, like- one of the, he's Joel De La Fuente, so he's like uh, from South America originally, but with with some Chinese heritage or something. Not a drop of Japanese in him, but he does a fucking ace uh, secret police commissioner, <laughs> That's awesome. in Chief Inspector Kido. Yeah, well, secret police are often in in these horrible empires. Secret mm. police often made up with the strong ethnic minority compositions because you need infiltrators. Yeah. Oh, this guy's definitely meant to be a pure blood Japanese. <laughs> so All a- right, fine. I was just trying to help. Us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it can be slow. The first season is so-so, but the third season is really, really good. Uh, the second season is good. That's, yeah. Uh, I think if you're going to have a shit season, it, it's as well to be the first. Mm. It's provided you get recommissioned. Yeah. Preacher chose to have the second season be very, very boring and crap, and that was a huge mistake. Yeah. They've clawed it back some now, but oof. Yeah, the third was season rough. was all right, but the second season was, was so rough. Agonizing. Never seen the search for God be expressed in such a tedious, yeah. drawn out and boring sequence of events. Yeah, that's true. Then Pip Torrens turned up and got his testicles electrocuted and we're back on track. <laughs> Pip Torrens, man. <laughs> what an absolute saviour for that show. <laughs> He's a masterpiece. And he makes masterpieces. He has a secret hankering, though, I'm sure, at this point in his career to stop being, like, cast as the weird German guy. (laughs) Even Too bad, Pip Pip Torres appeared in, like, a fucking ill-viewed Rick Mail vanity project called Believe Nothing, (laughs) where Rick Mail plays Professor Adonis Canute. Mm. And uh, Rick Mail is a Canute, you see. This was uh-huh. pretty, the whole show was pretty much done because he wanted posters around London that said Rick Mail is a Canute. Um, and Pip Torrens <laughs> plays like exactly the same character, but in a Rick Mail vanity project comedy context. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Los, hello, it's you. Yes, I know it is. <laughs> I represent the 13 shadowy people controlling the, literally the same character. Yeah. It was astron- astonishing. Fucking <laughs> <Suck it> wonderful. <laughs> Anyone gets a chance to see Believe Nothing, you probably won't unless you're literally in my living room. But yeah. you should you should give it a crack. Believe Nothing. Yeah. It yeah. is awful and also weirdly good and enjoyable. Nice. He gets a great cast for, for such a schlocky show. Yeah. Oh, who would turn down the opportunity to work with Rick Marl? Yeah. Well, it's literally just... So this is where I play me if I was rich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those latter-day fucking projects from <laughs> British comedy legends are always fucking navel-gazy weird things. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was after he died of having his um, brain like drowned in blood too. So, oh no, nice. so he was operating on a different level, to, even more of a different <laughs> level to most people. <laughs> nice, good one. I think I have uh, exhausted my my repertoire of bitterness for the day, Kieran. Yeah. 
yeah, I think we can call it, uh, call it crits. Uh, obviously if you have anything you would like to say to us, any questions or criticisms, or if you just want to vent, uh, about how your partner has closed themselves off from you and have become more distant and are now more of a stranger to you than they were the day that you met them. I uh, told you, can- you that in confidence, Karen. <laughs> I did not set that up uh, f- for that to be the bit. Uh, <laughs> With apologies to my excellent girlfriend. Yeah, Robin. yeah, that was, that was what I was trying to. It's okay. She does. She has no interest in our political views. Oh, she doesn't wonderful. listen to the show. She doesn't. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, weakness for bleakness at gmail.com. It's all one word. No tricks with the spelling. No tricks with the spelling. Alternatively, like most of the feedback we've received so far, you can just be drunk and see us in a pub. Yeah, yeah, that's also acceptable. Um, yeah. Thanks to Leonardo's Robot for the excellent outro you are about to enjoy. Yep. Thanks to Leonardo's Robot for the outro song. Uh, it's just, we're just going back to the normal outro now. I've exhausted all of the MP3s of full songs that I actually have. So, uh, just oh. back to normal outro song. Good. Thank you, normal outro song. It is. I, I don't mind it. Um, all right. He's a talented boy. He is. Mr. Uh, robot. He's a good egg. Uh, all right. Thank you, listener. I love you. Goodbye. I won't call. Tough shit, my best of luck next time.